1: And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, more word of more U.S. strikes carried against the Iran-backed rebels that are in Yemen. Of course, we know yesterday that some strikes occurred into Yemen at some of these hootsie sites. And these were missile-launching sites, also sites where some of the drones were launched from. And we know that they went back and carried some more out in the last few hours. So what does this tell you about the Biden administration? Well, earlier today, by the way, on Cats and Cosby, we were talking about the fact that uh, on the first round, one person was killed. And it looks like they hit a couple facilities. Not a mucho. So they went back again tonight and so far we're hearing it was a few extra rounds tonight. Is this going to make a difference? And also, is this actually escalating the war without any basically uh, basically chutzpah behind it? I mean, this almost seems like a joke. We go in. We didn't really even, when we had almost unfettered access, to be able to do whatever we wanted. We didn't even hit the main areas. And now we're going back and hitting it again. Boy, we really look weak, and this is escalating things around the world big time. There are images coming out tonight in the last few hours of them burning the American flag in Iran. No surprise, because they have always had us and Israel in their sights. And also, we're hearing that they are planning mass protests all around New York City, also in many other major cities across the country tomorrow, today, we saw massive protests in the streets of Yemen. I mean, it was hundreds of thousands of people protesting, many of them chanting death to America, death to Israel. It's very chilling. And I'm not convinced tonight, guys, as we are seeing all these things happening in the Middle East and Biden doing what I consider very tepid pin print you know, pin pin drop strikes, very, very tiny. Uh, I'm not convinced that he can really handle what may lay ahead, and this is scary stuff. We are dealing with some really bad hombres, and I think we have a very weak president, and that is a very troubling combination for America and for the world. What are your thoughts, guys, tonight as to where this is headed? And can this administration handle what is going to be a really difficult period, not just in the Middle East, but I think for us here at home, one eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 one eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 and you are listening to the Rita Cosby show. Well, first off, here is President Biden today, and I want to set the stage a little bit of what he looked like. He was in a classroom and it was the weirdest thing I had ever seen. Here is a president. They put out a statement last night like he's all big and bad, like John Wayne is opening up the OK Corral and he's coming in. And they made it sound like, yes, he made this big and bold decision. And he's now finally striking back at these hootsie rebels, which are, again, Iranian back, just like Hamas and Hezbollah. And lo and behold, today the reporters go after him and start asking him questions. And he's talking to school kids And he's kind of like mumbling and jumbling his words. It was the weirdest, most ineffective speech, I think, by a president after a very serious move that, again, could escalate things tremendously in the Middle East and bring the United States in at a much bigger level. It's very concerning. And then you see this president kind of mumbling, bumbling around, talking to like a little schoolgirl And then he's like mumbling to the reporters and then he kind of looks up again. It just it was really, really troubling. And here's a little bit when he was asked some of the questions about the first round of strikes in Yemen against these Iranian-backed rebels that have continued to fire on U.S. and other ships in the Red Sea, disrupting commercial transit. Disrupting lots of business, making people go around, you know, uh, they've had to go around. It's taking about two weeks to find another route. Uh, this is a disaster. And the president, his answer was like, well, yeah, it was a success. If you can understand his words, listen to this one.
0: Yes. very. I don't think there's any civilian casualties. That's another reason why it's a success.
1: Uh, yeah, no civilian casualties. That's why it's a success. How about basically no results? <laughs> that means it wasn't a success. And they even had to go back in tonight and try to take out some more. Uh, and so far, we're not hearing that it was any big, bold action tonight either. So listen to this interesting comment, because people are asking him an obvious question that we have talked about. And to me, this is the most indicative situation as to why this president and this administration just doesn't have a clue to deal with places like Iran and elsewhere, because he took the Hootsies, which is this rebel group, again, Iranian-backed in Yemen that's been firing on all the ships in the Red Sea, he took them off the list of foreign terrorist organizations. He did it in February 2021. It was one of the first things he did when he became president. And part of the reason he did it was he was clearly trying to coddle Iran, trying to ingratiate himself. He was trying to figure out how to, you know, get in good with them so he could make this Iranian nuclear deal, which clearly... That strategy has been a disaster because they are closer than ever. So he takes them off the list of foreign terrorist organizations after what's been 130 strikes by these Iranian proxy groups. He still has not put the Hutsis back on the terrorist organization list. That's a two-second phone call from the president of the United States. So anytime he says, oh, I'm acting all big and bad, he won't even list them as a terrorist group. And there's word today that he's thinking about it, that he may change his mind. What? I would have done it on day. First of all, I wouldn't have taken them off because they have a long history of terrorism. Anybody would know that. And after their first strike on American bases, I would have immediately put them back on. I mean, there's no gray. And yet he's like thinking about it. He's considering it. I mean, that is so troubling, but it just shows how weak he is. But listen to what he was asked about it today uh, are they a terrorist group or not? And he's like, oh, I, I think so. Well, why don't you put them back on and at least list them as a terrorist group? This is a stunning answer. I think, a
0: terrorist group, sir. I think they are.
1: Uh, well, if you couldn't hear it, nor could anybody else, he said, uh, I think they're a terrorist group. Uh, duh. Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, which way did he go? You know, of course, they're a terrorist group. They're firing on ships all over the world. They're trying to disrupt international commerce. Uh, They're trying to, you know, grind the Red Sea to a halt. And you're not sure. Oh, I I think so. Uh, Like it's some epiphany. That is downright scary. Well, here is former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, because he says the Biden policy overseas is basically caught with his pants down, take a listen.
2: So we ought to both mount a diplomatic campaign. We ought to redesignate them as terrorists. We should be prepared for more missile launches, and our our Department of Defense is good. But even if we have a 99% catch rate, even if we stop all of those missiles, we'll eventually have some American hurt. And the president put our soldiers, sailors, and airmen and marines at risk because he was unprepared to defend the things that really mattered and to deter Iran seriously.
1: And here is the former senior director of the National Security Council, Mike Allen, because he says it is clear this president doesn't have the cojones to do what he needs to do.
3: Iran's the head of the snake, and they have sort of an orchestra. They're uh, dialing up Hezbollah, Hamas, and of course now the Houthi. Look, I think it's a good first step, but if Over time, we want to protect American interests in the Middle East. We can't pull out from that region because of oil and economic reasons and the rest. We're going to have to take on Iran. The administration has completely ignored this since October 7th. I think they privately want to revive this idea of an Iran nuclear deal and some sort of modus vivendi. But they're going to have to get serious over time. So we're really underneath the gun here. This can't be ignored. Iran needs to be dealt with uh, muscularly. And I hope President Biden's got a plan.
1: Yeah, I sure hope he has a plan for America and for the world. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norm. Line three. Norm, uh, do you think he has any sort of a plan?
3: Well, he I don't think he has any plan, but, uh, you know, uh, we are weak. As I've said before, it's a it's a quote from an old physical culturist and weakness is a crime. And basically, uh, uh, you know, the, the placating of Iran has never worked. It didn't work under Jimmy Carter. And it took when Ronald Reagan uh, when Ronald Reagan finally uh, won uh, that all of a sudden they gave back to hostages. And that's a pre- present situation. Iran doesn't play. They want to be the center of the Mideast. They want to be the big boys. And this uh, president is basically handing it to them for whatever reason. you know, I I think this is uh, I think this is coming from Barack Obama. I think this is this was their plan to to, you know, to minimize Israel, to minimize the Gulf states and put Iran as the big boy. And that's it. We're going to show them respect. We're not going to give them sanctions We're going to give them money and they're just going to crap on us. And that's uh, that's what's going to happen. And now, you know, I mean, this whole thing with the Houthis and that that ain't going to work. And uh, now China's going to make their move because China sees that we're weak. So they're going to probably take Taiwan any day now. And uh, that's it. You know, you know, know, Norm, you
1: brought up some great points that the world is watching. I mean, I think that that's a really powerful point because uh, this weekend and uh, in a matter of hours, you know, we'll find out about uh, what happens in Taiwan, of course, the big election there. And you're right. There are all these bad actors like China watching, North Korea is watching, Iran certainly watching, and they're seeing what are we doing and moreover, what we're not doing, and they're saying boy uh president biden's in you know at least until uh, x date uh we got about a year uh boy think about the damage they could do in a year if they want to take advantage of what is clearly i think a very weak president and i think he sends so many mixed messages it is downright dangerous and it's downright troubling uh and that is not a good formula for america that's the most important thing and we are just sort of sitting ducks and our troops are are sitting ducks and this lack of response from them. I mean, I mean, it's like a joke. I mean, Oh yeah. Uh, there was a report today. That they may have gotten one fighter and he wasn't even a leader. Or maybe he was the milkman, you know, or a mailman uh, delivering mail there. I mean, that's big and bad boy. Are we in trouble if that's the best they can do. And it was clearly not a success because they went back in apparently, according to reports, uh, to finish off what they didn't do the first time. So, uh, you know, they're so far, they're batting zero of zero. You know, that's the best I can say. Norm, thank you very much. Let's go real quick to Mike on line two. Mike, what do you think of what's going on tonight?
2: It's outrageous, Rita. Uh, you know, uh, UK and us, we're firing back. We've been hit upon. And Biden, you know, Biden is just out of his mind. Unbelievable what's going on. International commerce will be interrupted. Oil prices and everything else. Here's one for you, Rita. Okay. The Waffle House. It's a staple down south. They should put a picture. Take a picture of Biden with his sunglasses on in front of the Waffle House because he's waffling all over the place. He doesn't have a clue. And he didn't know where his defense secretary was. Give me a damn break. Unreal, man.
1: You you know, Mike, he might like it because, by the way, and you know this, Mike, I went to school in South Carolina, all right? And so I I know the Waffle Houses. They have very good ice cream. So that's why I do think Biden would be happy to be at the Waffle House for a number of reasons, not just the waffling. Uh, But he'd be like, wow, should I do chocolate or strawberry? He might be a little more assertive about that than he's been uh, dealing with the uh, Iranian terrorists. Uh, I think he seems to know how to order ice cream better than to order a military strike or to show any strength. And that is a sad testament to where we are. Uh, But I love the Waffle House, Mike. You can't go wrong with that. Thanks so much, Mike. Very much. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll continue your calls, everybody, after the break. This is The Rita Cosby Show.
0: The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show.
3: Sweet dreams are made of this. Who am I to disagree? I travel the world.
1: And Congressman Mike Gallagher says it is clear that this administration doesn't understand the mantra, like Reagan did, of peace through strength. Listen to what he says about the Biden administration.
2: Well, you have to find a way to restore deterrence. The administration is claiming that these long overdue strikes will do just that, but at the same time, simultaneously admitting that the Houthis are likely to retaliate, which by definitions means that uh, deterrence is not restored. So I hope this marks the beginning of a shift in the administration's posture towards Iran and its proxies. We will have to get more aggressive, But I'm not holding my breath. Um, I I fear we're going to just engage in this incremental tit-for-tat in an effort to avoid further escalation. And such an approach, I think, signals to our enemies that the Biden administration is still reluctant to provoke Iran, despite the fact that Iranian-backed terrorists have already attacked U.S. forces 130 times since October.
1: 130 times! And we still are doing very little in retaliation. And as I mentioned, the administration still hasn't put the Hootsies on the terrorist watch list again, the terrorist organization list that they have at the State Department, designating them as a terrorist group. They're clearly a terrorist group. And this is the best that the Pentagon could come back with today. Listen to the deputy Pentagon spokesperson. You've heard the White House
4: speak to this. It's something that they're reviewing, I know, uh, when it comes to the Houthi designation. Uh, But I think what you saw last night is certainly uh, a proactive action by the United States, by the U.K. and other coalition partners in taking action.
1: Yeah, it's something they're reviewing. What the heck? Maybe 130 times isn't enough of a message. Uh, Let's go to Yao and Yonkers. Go ahead, line three, your thoughts. Hey there, Line 3, go ahead.
2: Yeah, hi, Rita. Can you hear me?
1: Yes, I hear you. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, you know, Rita, I wanted to say, uh, you know, the administration's uh, reaction to Yemen has been reactionary. Uh, You know, the problem is that Yemen has always been a problem. It's been a a haven for terrorists. For years, uh, Carlos the Jackal, who caused havoc in uh, Vienna with OPEC, killed a few policemen in France a uh, terrorists for years so yeah there's always been a problem spot
0: Rita Cosby is on The Rita Cosby show presents back to blue.
1: And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, the segment, by the way, is sponsored by Goyacares.com because you are a precious gift from God. And Goya has the best products ever. Try the beans, they are the best. So make sure you check it out. And they also do such incredible work fighting human trafficking. Goyacares.com with a very powerful story tonight coming from Solbury Township. Pennsylvania, where a local family there is grateful to two police officers after they pulled a woman to safety from a pedestrian bridge. It happened around 430 in the morning when Officer Brendan Murphy got the call to respond to the scene where a woman was threatening to jump into the frigid, fast-moving Delaware River. The entire ordeal was captured on police body cam video. Officer Murphy said, quote, I noticed there was a female over on the rail on the water side of the bridge, and that's when I immediately called for my partner to expedite over. And his partner, Officer Patrick Dorsey, says he was on the other side, literally, of the township at the time, but immediately knew that the call was urgent. He said he's worked with Brendan for some time, and he could hear the manner that he was speaking. He knew it was, quote, very serious, Well, Officer Murphy says that he was able to make his way to the woman in the meantime, hold on to her until backup arrived, having a conversation with her and trying as best as he possibly could to be reassuring. Eventually, both the officers were able to physically pull her back over the railing. Officer Murphy says he is a crisis intervention team certified expert. And that Officer Dorsey is also trained in other methods of de-escalation as well. So the pair say that they were able to stay calm and rely on their training, and that was crucial to the outcome. The chief of police there commended the two officers, saying, quote, They did everything right. You couldn't ask for a better outcome from a situation like this. And bravo to our great officers, our great men and women in blue every single day. uh, Don't know what they are going to encounter. And this woman is lucky to be alive and back apparently with her family thanks to these two great officers. Well, we have been talking about the strikes, Uh, if you're just tuning in here on the Rita Cosby Show, uh, tonight, more strikes by the Biden administration against the Hootsie rebels. They did some last night, and they did some more tonight. And uh, it's like the blind leading the blind. That's how I can describe it, because Biden was like at a a group of school kids today saying, yeah, you know, um, we did something, and yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah, we did this strike. And then the Pentagon also wants us to believe that Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who, of course, is in the hospital still. Remember, he was in ICU uh, and also was under general anesthesia. Remember, he was MIA, uh, didn't tell anybody he was even in the hospital for all those days. When many strikes by these rebels on U.S. ships and other ships in the Red Sea kept happening, nobody even thought to respond. They weren't even looking for the defense secretary. And tonight, the administration wants us to believe that that defense secretary, boy, he's on the ball and he is, you know, lockstep with this president and they've got it all under control. Listen to this one. He has been directly engaged, not only in the action that was taken last night,
4: but earlier this week, you saw the biggest barrage of Houthi attacks on commercial and international vessels uh, transiting that Red Sea, and the secretary was monitoring in real time with the National Security Council and the Central Command uh, commander as well. Last night, uh, again, he was monitoring uh, in real time, getting updates from Central Command, um, in touch with the White House, spoke with the president uh, over two times, I think, during the night. Um, and so you're seeing the secretary very engaged, as he would be on any other
1: day. Except for the days that he was in the hospital before and somehow left that out of his chain of command. And here is John Kirby, of course, one of the spokespeople that you always see at the White House. This is what he said at the press gaggle today. About
3: secretary Austin's participation in this decision making process. It was seamless. It was as if it was uh,
4: no no different. His participation was no different than it would be uh, on any other given day, except that he was uh, uh, briefing the president uh, on options and engaged in the discussions from the hospital, but he was fully engaged as he would be in
1: in any other event. Yeah, because he wasn't under general anesthesia today, and uh, because, boy, they suddenly found out he was in the hospital, Uh, and boy, he's really on it, so now let's do all these strikes. The timing of all this, to me, first of all, looks so manipulated, because they were under such fire that they looked so inept that they didn't even have this chain of command issue under control. And now suddenly uh, he's out of general anesthesia. He's out of ICU. And he's like uh, the war room from the you know, from the hospital room is the way they want to portray it. Uh, I find that just laughable that it's like, oh, boy, he's really on top of it now when he was clearly MIA for like a week and nobody even noticed and they knew how stupid that looked and how bad that looked to the world. And so today, President Biden, when he was talking to the school kids, he was asked about if he has confidence in Secretary Austin after the mishap that happened before. Listen to this.
0: Beautiful. Do you have confidence
1: in Secretary Austin? I do. I'm sorry. Don't. Was it a lotion? Do I for him not to tell you earlier? Yes. So at first, he's apologizing. Did you hear the I'm sorry? He was, like, talking to this little girl, like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I have to interrupt you to talk about uh, attacking terrorists. Could we get back to the bubble gum in a moment? I mean, it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It was crazy. And then they said, was it a lapse of judgment? Yeah. Do you have confidence in him? Yeah. That's the best that this commander-in-chief can do? It is pathetic. No wonder we haven't seen him really talking about this in recent days. I don't blame them. I mean— the way he looked today, he looked so out of it today. He looked so disengaged today, and he just looked so lackluster and so energetic today. And yet the White House puts out this statement that President Biden was totally in command, had such a, like, great sense of clarity, and Patton was leading the charge. You know, that's how they wanted us to feel. you got to be kidding me. one 800 848 one 800 848 Nine two two two. Let's go to Tony, line three. Tony, your thoughts.
5: Hi, Rita. What a stunning week. You know, I have to tell you when the president went to Valley Forge, it was a disgrace. Because you know, it was at Valley Forge when he mentioned George Washington. The Valley Forge was secured but for the British. It was a pivotal spot and they secured it within days. They had guards twenty four seven. They got paid overtime when the war was over. They didn't sleep guarding that place. And that one person asked the president, president, why don't you secure America? So when I have a president like this, what can I expect from him and his administration or who's ever running the country? Very little. And I tell you, Rita, when we were fighting the Revolutionary War, which started this country, if we didn't get some chutzpah, we we had help from the Germans, we would have never had France helped us with the Revolutionary War, and that's what I see. I see this president bringing down in his administration the diplomacy that the country had. As a country, we were number one for diplomacy, for defense, for strategy, and this administration, I'll be honest, is looking to bring America down. We have Iranian spies working for Lloyd Austin, Ariane tabat This is very serious. It's, It's really something that It makes you wonder, Rita, why won't somebody straighten them out? We need somebody to get straightened out. And it's just, you know, not happening. And you know who I'm waiting for? Donald Trump.
1: Well, we need, Tony, we need a warrior. That is for sure. Like, I feel like the world is in such a mess. There is so much chaos. And you need somebody that the rest of the world, some of these bad actors worry about a bit. And you need somebody who's going to go, well, guess what? On day one, we're not going to open the border. We're going to actually seal the border. That would be refreshing for a change. And somebody who, uh, you know, maybe, you know, Iran goes, uh-oh, not this guy again. This is not going to be pretty. You know, I mean, you need to have them worried. They are not worried whatsoever. And I am deeply concerned as to what's going to happen. Look how much damage has been caused between the open border between, you know, like the world's, I mean, if you look at the scene today, I don't know if you saw it, Tony, I keep going back to it. Cause my jaw dropped. I woke up today and I'm like, Oh my God. I looked at the scenes from Yemen and there were literally hundreds of thousands of people marching and all screaming, you know, death to America. De-. I'm thinking, Oh my God. Like how scary is that at a time where we do have such a wide open Southern border? We're not vetting them. we don't know who's coming through, and this country is just we're like sort of sitting ducks and that saddens me tony it really saddens me and where is the president's moral clarity and where is his leadership tony it seems to be mia and we need whoever comes in has got to be doing much more than clean up on aisle seven they got to clean up the world because boy are they inheriting a mess uh so tony uh, a change can't come soon enough your thoughts
5: Well right now we are a generation Rita who has seen 9-11 okay and it is a very destructive 9-11 that may come again. We've seen it come to Israel and uh, and the world, the civilized world, the countries are looking to America to unify and to protect as they did in World War II. And anyone who thinks that this world is going to stay the same by an administration that is looking to sell out America and, and put America on even keel with countries that are communist, Marxist, and, and terrorists is not going to keep America in the standing that it deserves. We are being put on ground by this administration with terrorism, and that is a very bad thing. Yeah,
1: no, it is. And uh, we're I just feel like we have diminished and degraded our standing in so many different ways. It is it's downright troubling and it's disheartening because I love this country. I want the best for this country. It doesn't matter. Uh, You know, uh, political stripes. I just care about what's best for this country and how we protect ourselves and protect the world because we represent a lot to the world, too, not just ourselves. And, uh, boy, are we sadly crumbling in a lot of ways. Uh, Let's go to Stan, line five. Stan, your thoughts.
2: How are you? Good evening.
1: Good evening, Stan.
2: Uh, Okay. uh, Let's get something straight here in terms of foreign policy. Uh, The previous administration, for four years, did nothing with Iran. Nothing. Looked the other way. Didn't want to talk to them at all. And that's the way. Now they're near an atomic bomb or close to nuclear uh, uh, situation. uh, Four years. Didn't do nothing. So if there's a problem, it was that. Number two, number two, and which is even just as important, the uh, so-called president, ex-president, surrendered in Afghanistan, okay? Signed a treaty to get us out. The European leaders of of NATO can't stand this guy, are afraid of him, not because they think he can do anything, because they think he's weak and he will not do anything. He doesn't want to overseas power in this world. He wants to see nothing. He wants the United States to be by themselves. So Donald Trump will not be the savior of this country. In fact he may be the worst.
1: All right, so so Stan, now that you hang on, Stan. You you spoke a lot of gobbledygook, so I gotta correct you, okay? First off uh, let's get to your first topic about Iran. Uh, President Trump imposed sanctions and he did a whole bunch of stuff and he put them in line. This administration has given them so much money. It's Obama Part Two. Obama Part One, remember the old pallets of cash in the middle of the night? Oh, that doesn't sound suspicious at all. And remember, it was European money, too. That boy, isn't that interesting, right? And now here we have this one. This one doesn't even have the guts to put Iran uh, in its place. It won't even go after the little proxy groups. The, the If we can't handle the Hootsies, uh, they're sophisticated pirates because they are funded by Iran. You know, this guy wouldn't even go after the pirates of Penzance, let alone the pirates of the Hootsies. This guy is so wimpy and they don't fear him. So if you think the world is a safer place... Uh, Boy, you are really smoking some good stuff, and I want it because I'm telling you, it really works because you are in la-la land, all right? And the second one, if you think it was Trump who surrendered Afghanistan, Trump wanted to get out of Afghanistan. There is no doubt, and you're correct about that, but he didn't surrender, and he wouldn't have pulled out the way that this pathetic president did when he left $85 billion worth of equipment. Trump would never have done that. I actually don't think any president would have done that. I don't even think Barack Obama would have done that. Honestly, I think Barack Obama uh, certainly had a number of foibles, but I would hope he wouldn't have done that bad of a job. Maybe he would have left some, but I don't know if he would have left $85 billion. Uh, This, to me, is a disaster. And it's shameful, stand, And that's what concerns me. And for you, everything is Trump, Trump, Trump. The world was a lot safer under President Trump. And if you don't see that, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what literally what kind of rosy colored glasses you're looking at. But this president has destroyed our standing in the world. And he is totally destroyed. Look at look at all the hornet's nest. All the problems that are going on in the world, it was a lot more peaceful. I'll take a mean tweet over a mean terrorist any day of the week. Go ahead, Stan.
2: I won't take a traitor over anybody. I'll take this guy over any guy who wants to overthrow the country. He well, can't you know, be trusted. Stan, We're Stan, talking about. Do you,
1: think, do you think an open border is safe? And do you think a son who took tens of millions of dollars, the father claims he never met the business people, all of that looks so fishy. And boy, son of a bee, let's get rid of the Ukrainian prosecutor who's investigating my son. That is potentially traitorous behavior. That is potentially traitorous, and you will not admit it. Boy, what a sad state we're in. And and what a state of denial if you won't even admit that. You think it's like fair justice, what they're doing now? Answer me. Do you honestly think it's fair? Do you think what's going on— all the stuff against Trump and Biden sitting there like, oh, yeah, okay, great, talk, great. Can I answer the question? Go Thank ahead, you. go ahead. You hey, have your soliloquy. He go got ahead.
2: himself into these problems, not the president. He got himself in. He's the one that did the stuff in Georgia. He's the one that did the uh, oh Georgia, around Georgia. Don't talk to me about did, uh, Stan, is it fair? Stan, it's,
1: did it's you fair. hear about uh, good old Fanny Willis who? Uh, according to the reports, put up her boyfriend there, and he happened to visit the White House when they said there was no collusion with the White House. Boy, there couldn't be anything wrong with that Georgia case. Could there, Stan? Why do you talk? So what if the two are getting laid? So what? (laughs) Okay, It has nothing to do with the Georgia case. Yes, it does. Don't you think it could be a conflict of interest? And by the way, visiting the White House when you said there was no coordination with the White House – Boy, that looks like maybe a lie or a misstatement. I uh, mean, for, I forget think. forget what's happening in the hoochie-coochie. Uh, it sounds like uh, there's a lot of lies going on there. They can do whatever they want personally, but don't sit there and say, there's a report stand, and I I, I got to laugh because it is Friday, and you and I are both laughing about this. Here it is in, on a day. He apparently, according to reports, this guy, the prosecutor, files for, uh, for divorce. And then the next day, good old Fanny Willis from Georgia, I love the name, fanny Willis, then puts him as the prosecutor. And apparently, according to reports, they're seeing each other. What could go wrong there? What do you think, Stan? That's real Rita, love.
2: <laughs> I agree. Rita, I agree with you. It sounds like a... Th- Wait a minute. It sounds like something we'd see on daily soap opera. But the other thing is, what does that have absolutely to do with the case against Donald Trump? Nothing. It has hey, a lot to I do.
1: Agree. Maybe he's trying to impress the little sweet honey buns by laying it all on on the jury. You know? I mean, you know, you can't have somebody who has a personal uh, relationship like that. He's married and then he gets a divorce, and then somehow he gets put on the case when he's not even the right qualified person to be on the case. And then they're misrepresenting whether they saw the White House or not. They said there was no coordination, no discussions with the White House. He billed two eight-hour meetings at the White House, Stan. Uh, there's something really bad in Georgia, really stinky, and it's not the hoochie-coochie. Stan, thank you very much. You're terrific. Have a great weekend. Wow. one 800 848
0: It's the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show.
1: up on Stan. I'm going to keep trying to convince him. I am a blondie like the singer, so we'll try to see if I can do my magic on him. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert in Philly. Robert, give me some reason, please, after that one.
3: Oh, please, Rita. I look forward to his
2: calls because it's a comedy of ours. I think you handled it really well. But it's amazing to me how I mean, this isn't something that happened back in the 70s, and we have different recollections of it. This just happened, okay? And he completely makes up, just complete fiction to yell at Trump while he supports the most destructive, corrupt president in history.
0: Feisty, Fearless, and Fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita, because
1: Tonight, it is darn cold all over the country. Uh, The Iowa caucus is happening on Monday, and they are saying there might even be like uh, minus degrees in Iowa, which is going to be bitter cold for the Iowa caucus, the first big contest, of course, of this election season. And across the country, because of the cold and stormy temperatures, we've seen a lot of migrants displaced Uh, But guess what? Also, students are displaced, like in New York. There was the story of what happened this week, which to me just epitomizes what a disaster this open border and migrant crisis is, where they moved the close to 2,000 migrants from Floyd Bennett Field, or I think as uh, my colleague on WABC, Curtis, calls it uh, Flood Bennett Field, uh, which it was because, boy, was it flooded. Um, and they moved them into James Madison high school, uh, which has a lot of underprivileged kids. They had to get moved out to make room for the migrants. And they were told, oh, you're just going to have to be doing virtual learning. Well, the migrants are back, but there is expecting another storm tonight. So what are they going to do? This is such a formula for disaster. And there are reports that Mayor Eric Adams of New York is saying, well, maybe we have to do some curfews and figure out some things because there are reports of crime in the area of some of these migrant facilities. And clearly things are just out of control. And with the temperatures, can you imagine in Chicago, there are stories tonight that a number of migrants are sleeping in city buses there because they just don't know where to put some of these migrants. They're also putting some of them up in very nice hotels. And needless to say, that isn't sitting well with the community. Just like in New York, people are going, wait a minute. Uh, we have homeless veterans. You see it all the streets of New York. You see homeless people that are American citizens. They're not getting a free hotel room with you know room service and dry cleaning and all these other things. And now Chicago is sort of following the path of New York. They have less migrants than we do. Obviously, we have a bigger population. But still, they are now trying to figure out what to do. They are busting at the seams. So they're sleeping in these sort of heated buses. And then they're also putting some in these luxury hotel rooms. And they're giving them food and a whole bunch of stuff. It just epitomizes what a crisis this is. And it's all thanks to Biden's open border policy. So as Stan, who called in the last hour and said, boy, what a great security force uh, Joe Biden and his team have been. uh, I really do want to know what he's smoking, because uh, Stan, what border are you looking at? It's not our border, because our border is wide open and every city in America is busting at the seams. And through this all, Jill Biden, of course, is like Tammy Wynette standing by her man. And Jill Biden is trying to convince us, she did an interview this week, that Joe Biden is spry, that he's sharp, that he's quick-witted. And she also says that his age, that he's not lethargic whatsoever, that he's not forgetful, that he's not slumbering. No, no, no. He is spry as a spring chicken and that his age is one big plus. Listen to this one.
6: So, to those who say, I can't vote for Joe Biden, he's too old, what do you say? I say his age is an asset. Uh-huh. He's wise. Yes, he's wise. He has wisdom. He has experience. He knows every leader on the world stage. He's lived history. He knows history. Mm-hmm. He's thoughtful in his decisions. He is the right man, or the right person for the job at this moment in history.
1: Is there anybody out there who says, boy, I can't wait for another term just like that? It's like if somebody like punches you in the gut and says, God, that felt so good. Could I have another one? (laughs) That's like that's what's happening to America. I mean, wake up. And yet here is Jill Biden, who says he is like Richard Simmons. Listen
6: to this. Your husband is 81. At the end of the second term, he'd be 86. As his life partner of 46 years, is there a part of you that is worried about his age and health? Can he do it? He can do it. And I see Joe every day. I see him out, you know, traveling around this country. I see his vigor. I see his energy. I see his passion.
1: Yeah, he's doing uh, jumping jacks and backflips every day, everybody. Uh, and if you believe that, I'll give you a couple bridges in Brooklyn. I you got to be kidding me. Like, who, who is she looking at? The other day, when he gave his famous, you know, Trump and anybody who believes in Trump is the threat to democracy speech, he gives a speech, speech. And then you see her leading him off the stage, like, over here, honey, let me, and holding him by the hand. It was really scary because he clearly didn't know where he was going and you see this often when he's with world leaders too and then for her to sit there and continuously say how spry he is how sharp he is uh maybe she's hoping if she says it 500 times somebody will believe her and then she also says boy he is not just the energizer in energizer body But he's also his list of accomplishments are like go down there with some of the greatest presidents that the world has ever known. Listen to this.
6: And I think what people don't see is how hard Joe works every single day that he gets up thinking what he can do for the American people. I just want to make sure he
1: gets up because I'm telling you, I'm not sure about that part, let alone what he's doing for the American people. I mean, it is really an incredible moment as we're seeing and we're talking about what's going on with the Hootsies and you're seeing these images around the world tomorrow. There are supposed to be protests all over in places like New York and elsewhere from these anti-Israeli groups that are now said to be mad because he finally took some action against the Hootsie rebels. And they're mad that President Joe Biden is supporting sort of Israel. I think he should be much more clear in his support of Israel. But these people will never be satisfied. And they're protesting all over the place. And he's not reining them in. And I worry so much as we are seeing now some really strong vitriol in the last few hours from Iran and elsewhere saying that there will, quote, be payback to America. And the Houthi rebel groups, they have spokespeople uh, these pirates, they're in there in Yemen in the last few hours, also saying that there will be retribution to America and Israel because they lump us both together for what is happening in the Middle East. And then we have a president who needs to be led off stage. 1-800-848-9222. one 800 let us go to Dom in Minnesota. Dom, your thoughts? Yeah, Rita, it's uh, minus
4: 4 degrees here in Minnesota. Oh,
1: so, my goodness. Yikes. Yikes. How are you staying warm before you get to uh, the hot topic? Well, I
4: have a, I have something for it because I was calling, just calling to order some of the Kool-Aid that my friend Stan is drinking to keep me warm. Maybe <laughs> that'll work.
1: <laughs> Whatever it is, I, I, I mean, it's really strong stuff. That is for sure because... Um, I I feel like maybe it's leftover eggnog from Christmas because he's really in La La Land. Did you hear that he? I, I, and I think he believes it. I mean, and and by the way, Stan is not unique. There are other people out there who drink the same Kool Aid. And Dom, I'm thinking, what world are they looking at? I mean, is there? I honestly, and you know, it's sad, Dom. I wish America well. When I see America do well, whoever's at the helm, I say bravo because I want the best for our country and i am looking now and going is there anything that i actually think has been improved under this president from from especially a, a security standpoint a national security and international security standpoint and i honestly sadly cannot think of one can you dom well here's a kicker you know hunter
4: went to his own congressional hearing and as a spectator with his own camera crew i think he's launching a new podcast which is called WHIM sixteen hundred, a White House infomercial titled "Hunter: The New Jeffrey Epstein on Steroids."
1: <laughs> By the way, uh, uh, some of the images on his um, laptop, so to speak, I can never erase. Dom, out of my mind. I mean, uh, but but you know, I want to play one thing, Dom. This is interesting because you bring up Hunter. Because boy, what a week it's been with Hunter. Um, Jill Biden was asked on MSNBC. Um, What do you think about everything that's happening to Hunter? This is 24-A. And Jill Biden said, don't be mean to sweet little Hunter. Listen to this.
6: How have you been coping with the onslaught of accusations against your husband and your family, including Hunter? It's the focus of a House Oversight Committee hearing, holding him in contempt, obsessing over him, showing pictures of him during vulnerable moments in his battle with addiction on the floor of the House. This would crush any family. Mika, I, I think what they are doing to Hunter is cruel. And I'm really proud of um, how Hunter has rebuilt his life uh, after addiction. You know, I'm, I love my son, and it's, had, it's hurt my grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm so concerned about, that it's affecting their lives as well.
1: Listen, I will say, you know, you always feel bad for parents or somebody who has a child with addiction or problems and all these things. But they're treating him like he's like a kindergartner. He is a 53-year-old man who, by his own accord, as we saw, Dom, showed up in Congress the other day and was thumbing his nose at Congress. He's the one who had all these things filmed on his laptop. It's not like they suddenly decided, hey, uh, let's just surreptitiously record Hunter. He left it at a computer store. Um, By his own accord, he says he was high as a kite. And he can't remember. There was one report I remember where there were reports saying that he had another laptop that's missing. And he thinks maybe uh, like some Russian or somebody, some spy or somebody may have taken it. I mean, the guy is reckless as all get out. And she keeps saying, oh, it's so mean what they're doing to him. And this is a guy who took in tens of millions of dollars through him and his company or family members. They're all, according to, you know, Republicans say it went through all these different, you know, shell companies. It's kind of hard to feel a little sorry for Hunter. Dom, do you feel sorry for him? I mean, she's making it sound like it's like a two-year-old kid who lost his way. I mean, this is a 53 year old man who was mocking Congress the other day.
4: Well, Rita, let me be really honest with you. As a parent, if something like that happened to one of our kids, I'd be the first one to go out and protect him. So will his mom.
1: But, 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 but Dom, the, let me ask the, you. No, let, no let me ask the, you, Dom. I hear that, but I would also say, son, knock it off. You know, that's where a good parent also says, son, knock it off. Don't do this. Even, even if, even if, say, it, and, and I'll like, let's even like take it to some extreme that there's nothing there. I find it hard to believe there's nothing there when you look at all these things that have come out with the shell company and the money and these rogue leaders and all that. But even still, I would say, son, it doesn't look good. Uh, I'm the sitting vice president at the time or I just left the vice presidency or I'm about to run for president or now I'm the president because it happened at different points in uh, President Joe Biden's career. I would say, knock it off. I've been in Congress for enough years. You know you've been around the White House and the Senate. You know the deal, son. This is the life we bought into. You need to knock it off. This looks so bad. But they have never done that and he still continues to go out there and tell people, oh, uh, pay your taxes. Don't be a tax cheat, and don't don't use guns improperly. And there is his son, a poster boy for both, Dom. Go ahead. No, I think if you'll let me finish my thought,
4: what I was going to say after that was any parent would do that for their kid, no matter how hard it gets. But all Joe had to say, or Jill had to say, you know what, we long on him. So that's the problem. I mean, he has become a nuisance to them, and they can't do anything about it because he's in the public eye, which they don't want him to be. That's the problem. They should say, stay the hell away from the TV. Just fix your life first before you get out on there.
1: Yeah, and you know what also, Dom, too? Um, The other thing that's really troubling about all the stuff with the Hunter stuff, too, Dom, is that the It came out from Corinne John Pierre, who I know you adore there. I'm being facetious at the White House. Uh, but the press spokesperson who isn't a circle back socky caliber, but she's, you know, she's doing her best, I guess, based on who you have to represent. Uh, but she's out there and she said the first time, remember when he showed up the first time outside on Capitol Hill and he showed up on the Senate side, not the House side. The subpoena was obviously for him to appear on the House side. He defied that, so he shows up on the Senate side. He does a press conference totally mocking Congress. Like, he was. it was, it was brazen. I thought it was shameful. Uh, I thought it was just really audacious, I use the word, because it was just so disrespectful of Congress. Well, guess what? She said, remember, when she was asked about it, she said, yes, uh, he conferred with his father before he went. The father was aware what he was going to do. What? the president of the United States was aware that the sun was going to basically obstruct justice that afternoon. I mean, if that's true and she still maintains that, yeah, they spoke about it the first time she didn't necessarily confirm that, you know, he knew about the camera, the the, the movie thing they were doing this week when they showed up in the middle of the hearing. But the fact that she says that he knew that doesn't look good for the president, Dom. I, it doesn't sound to me like they're saying, knock it off it sounds like they're saying keep going, and that's that is not a responsible parent. Dom, go ahead.
4: Yeah, no, this is what I would say to Jill Biden. You know, you know, put Hunter Biden in under home arrest, and put Biden in a home, not in the White House old age home. You're gonna treat you're treating the White House like an old age home. That's the problem.
1: Yeah, the, but Dom, you have the line of the night. Uh, put uh hunter uh, and under home arrest and put biden in the home <laughs> that's a good one dom thank you very much you have a great weekend we'll continue with your calls everybody after the break one 800 848 jill biden says it's cruel what they're doing to sweet little kind innocent hunter biden uh is she looking at the same guy we are
0: You're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show.
1: Everybody First of all I was listening to the song I love this It's not Her name is Rita But it's Rio Let's see if we can get to this The break. It's always fun to play some good songs out of Friday night. Everybody.
0: Rita Cosby is on.
1: My song to Stan and Teddy, the old Teddy, the new Teddy who calls in has now been happy because I've been supporting Israel. I have been a big supporter and very angry at the protests that have been happening, bashing Israel uh, and blocking roadways. And we may again, sadly, see more of that tomorrow. Uh, But you guys, you better treat her right. All right. You heard the song. Here is a little more to Stan and Ted since it's Friday night. And we are talking about theatrics that happened this week. And boy, was it one sort of production after another on Capitol Hill with Hunter, who, again, Jill Biden says it's so mean to do this to Hunter. And I don't know why they're hitting on Hunter. I don't know why they're giving him a hard time. Um, You know, he's just this sweet, innocent little boy. And I always am very careful, by the way, guys, when it is a family member of somebody in the White House, I always think it is important to be respectful and family members typically should be off limits. I don't in this case. And the reason I don't in this case is because so many of these allegations cross over to the president of the United States. This is not necessarily an investigation of Hunter. This is an investigation of Joe Biden. And again, some of these allegations that go back to Burisma and after Joe Biden said he didn't meet any of the business partners or any of these issues. And now we have all these pictures of him golfing with people that were doing business with Hunter. Very sort of lascivious characters uh, that he's been on phone calls with. And even this week when Hunter was walking down the hallway, remember after he did his little stunt on Capitol Hill Well, he was walking down the hallways and the reporters were saying, "Uh, so why did you put your father on the phone with these business people? And he didn't deny it. He just said, oh, it's my father. And I just was putting him on. And the reporter said, but why was he on when you were meeting with business people? Why did you put him on? And he didn't really have an answer for it. I mean, it, it it does defy logic. Why is the president, if there is nothing there, why has the president contended that he never met the business partners, never talked about business? He also, remember, said that Hunter never got a dime from China. And there's a lot of questions about the way that this president has not gotten tough with China. He certainly hasn't gotten tough with Iran. Uh, he certainly hasn't gotten tough uh, with a lot of others, too. So you just have to wonder, is there more to the story? And we'll see. Let's see where it goes. We know that the GOP is looking into it, but I think they absolutely have a right to look into it. The American public deserves to know the truth. And when I see that the president's son uh, is like making a mockery of Congress and thinking that, oh, God, how dare they look into me after what they dragged President Trump through And what they continued to drag President Trump through uh, and his kids. Can you imagine like if if Don Jr. said, oh, I'm not going to testify or Eric, it would be like, you know, headlines all over the place. And it should be for anybody who is asked to testify. And so I really found it really distasteful this week when Hunter Biden shows up and he's acting like, uh, you know, he has a little camera crew. You could see them with the little iPhones taking pictures and he's smiling when, you know, when members of Congress are coming after him and thinking it's like one big joke. And it really just highlighted the whole sort of, you know, uh, the whole message that you hear all the time, that there's sort of two different systems of justice in America. And when you see the way that Hunter Biden just thinks like he's above reproach, uh, it really spotlights it. He really just seems to think, oh, nothing's going to ever happen to me. Um, so remember, he storms into the hearing room and he goes in there with his two attorneys, with Abby Lowell and the other guy, Kevin Morris, who's his like friend and one of his big backers, according to a lot of reports. They're just kind of sitting there, and you know, Hunter's sort of gleeful. And here is Nancy Mace, the congresswoman, uh, with wow one of the uh, one of the lines of the week. Listen to this one. Remember, this is when she saw Hunter suddenly surprising everybody and shows up on Capitol Hill. So, my first question is, who bribed Hunter
5: Biden to be here today? That's my first question. Um, second question: You are the epitome of white privilege, coming into the Oversight Committee, spitting in our face, ignoring. A congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up here and. Mr. Chairman,
2: point of inquiry. Mr.
5: Mr. Chairman. Um, if the, the, uh, the general
2: if the gentlelady lady wants to hear from name, Hunter Biden, we can hear from him right now, Mr. And chairman. Let's take a Christ vote I'm and hear from I'm Hunter speaking. Biden. What are, are you afraid of? Hold on, you
5: hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Order, I'm I'm order, order. Are time, women allowed order, to speak in here or no? Are women allowed to speak in here or you keep interrupting me?
4: I'll interrupt the chairman. I don't know that he's a lady.
5: I think that, uh, that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now and go straight to jail. Our nation is founded on the rule of come law on, come on. and the premise come that on. the law applies equally to everyone, no matter what
1: you're lacking. Point
4: of order, Mr. Chairman.
1: The point of order. That was Congress. And then Marjorie Taylor Greene started asking him questions, and Hunter
5: got up. Listen to this one. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse going? me, Hunter. Oh, apparently, whoa. you're afraid of you my going? words. Whoa. Uh, here goes. <laughs> oh. I that like to reclaim was- my time, Mr. Chairman. Burst their bubble. <laughs> wow, that's too bad. <laughs> that was quite a scene. Now,
1: earlier today, uh, John Katz and I, we do, of course, cats and Cosby on WABC radio. And John and I were talking. John actually had an interesting point. He said, you know what? At that moment, he thinks they should have said, Hunter, okay, you are ready? Come up right now. And start asking him questions. Boy, it would have been one for the record books uh, to just kind of call his bluff and say, "Okay, you know, you said you're ready. Okay, here you go. And then if he walked out, you know, that would have been really great. And also, I would have loved to have seen Nancy Mace have five minutes with Hunter and see if he really would have answered a question or if it would have been, I take the fifth, I take the fifth, I take the fifth. And well, now there's new news that His attorney is saying, well, maybe he might now comply if a new subpoena is issued. He's putting some footnotes and some stipulations to that. So it's not necessarily like whatever you want to do. Uh, So there's a lot of questions as to whether they can work out now after the stunt that he pulled this week for him to come testify. Also, he still is in defiance of the first subpoena because the first subpoena said you got to do it behind closed doors which is the normal process. And then they kind of hone down their questions and then they do it publicly. It's not for him to decide how he's going to testify. It's Congress sets the tone. That's the way it works, uh, Hunter Biden. But it's interesting. So we'll see where it goes. We might see him coming. They might have called his bluff. And he might be too embarrassed after what he did last week, realizing how stupid he looked. I don't know. uh, That was crazy legal advice to say, hey, just show up there and thumb your nose at Congress Um, So let's see where it goes. Maybe they will hold him in contempt uh, and go for a vote next week. I think they're trying to figure out strategy, like what's going to work best. Congress is obviously trying to figure it out. And uh, Hunter's team is clearly trying to figure it out, too. But here is Congressman Russell Fry. This is what he said about uh, the Hunter show when he surprised everybody on Capitol Hill this week.
3: He showed up. I think there was kind of a rumor that, you know, Secret Service was in the room, and then all of a sudden Hunter is there at the start of this hearing. And it just kind of confirmed, I think, my, my biggest uh, uh, fear, if you will, is that he's thumbing his nose at the system that we have. Uh, he has lawfully issued a subpoena. He goes to the Senate, issues a, a, a statement, and skips town in the suburban. And he does the same thing today. This is the arrogance that we see from the Biden family, in particular today, Hunter Biden.
1: Yeah, boy. uh, Arrogance is an understatement. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to uh, Sankar in Brooklyn. uh, Line five. Go ahead. Thank you for taking
2: my call. I have a feeling of this possibility that Joe um, Joe Biden and his family Did not know it was going to go so far. And they used um, Hunter Biden. He was bringing in the money for them. He was messed up. He was on drugs. And they used him. He and uh, Joe Biden, his brother and his family, he was already messed up. And they let him do what he was doing. You know,
1: that's an interesting point. Like, so he was sort of like, let's take advantage of him. He's sort of a a stray. um, And he can be manipulated. And let's go for it. Right. Is that what you're thinking?
2: Yes, and they never thought that it would get so far in the public eye. He was used by the, the family. He was bringing in money for them. He was messed up. He was a drug addict. And some people think like that. Oh, he, let he go. He was like that. Well, and they, it, well you know it. what,
1: Sankar? You know what? You very well may be right, because also in some of the emails that came out that Hunter, um, his emails, according to all these different reports, one of them was like, Uh, Are you going to be kind of using me like dad, you know, like, do I have to give you, you know, he was saying to some another family member, do I have to give you, you know, X percent like I have to give dad? Uh, I mean, it looked like he resented a little bit of sort of this money stuff that was going on. Um, So you're right. Maybe maybe that's what it meant. We don't know. But it seemed like there was some weird dynamics there. And it's unfathomable to me that the father just didn't know what was going on. I'm trying, you know, even if you give him the benefit of the doubt, how would you not know? The son continues to do this. He's the son was on Air Force 2 going to China. Wouldn't you go, "Hey son, what are you doing on the plane?" <laughs> you know? And he, and they're really close. Uh, Joe continues to say Hunter is the smartest guy he knows. Uh and he seems to be keeping him close to the vest. Maybe he's keeping him close to the vest because just like you said, they never expected it to blow up publicly. Uh, and maybe thought, oh, you know, and, and I, you know, Sankara, I actually agree in a lot of ways because I don't think Joe Biden anticipated running for president. I think it just kind of happened. Like he, I think, you know, remember he got picked as vice president and then, you know, Hillary ran, remember? So it was like, I, I just, I just think there are a lot of things out there that it just kind of happened. And I was like, oh God, uh, hopefully they won't look into this one, you know? Uh, and boy, is that blowing up in his face. Great point, Cigar. Thank you very, very much. And everybody, we're going to continue your calls after the break. one 800 But first, here's our Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night.
0: The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes.
1: And everybody, this is the Tunnel to Towers Foundation Support Our Heroes segment with a really powerful story coming from Tucson, Arizona, where Air Force veteran Ed Chan earned the Distinguished Flying Cross for his heroism back in World War II. And this week, he was celebrated at the Distinguished Flying Cross Society. And also, by the way, he is one. Hundred years old. How beautiful! Veteran Chan, by the way, flew some of the most dangerous missions of World War II. He was the bombardier on the B twenty four bomber, flying straight and level towards targets surrounded by soldiers determined to shoot him down. Indeed, Chan flew in one of the most dangerous raids of the war to choke. Hitler's fuel supplies by destroying the refineries in Romania. Strong German defenses there shot down 53 planes. And it was on a different mission, this one over Germany, that Chan's heroism earned him the Distinguished Flying Cross. On that mission specifically, and this is an incredible story, the bomb doors on veteran Chan's plane became stuck open. Now, the extra wind resistance whipping through the bomb bay would have slowed the plane down so much it would have made it a straggler, easy to pick off by the enemy. So get this, to try to get the doors closed, Chan walked out onto a narrow catwalk just eight inches wide. They are up in the sky. There was only open sky below him. He had no room to even wear a parachute One slip of that narrow catwalk and he would have fallen through the open bomb doors. Chan knew if he failed, the whole crew would have been shot down and killed. So he just stepped out and he did it. What a courageous action. And this is what he said. You are 23 years old. You don't think about the future. You just think about what's happening at that moment. And a few years after, by the way, he came home safe from World War II, Chan went back into uniform in the Air Force Reserve for a total of 24 years serving our country. And how beautiful that he was honored for his heroism and that he is 100 years young. What an amazing story and just a great reminder that there are so many heroes like him living among us. And everybody, be sure to help America to never forget about incredible heroes like Edward Chan and his family and, of course, first responder families. Donate just $11 a month to the Great Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Simply go to T2T.org. That's T2T.org.
0: You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show.
1: Take on me by AHA, I believe, and Norwegian, I believe. And as many of you know, I'm Danish. But by the way, before the Danish side of my family, my whole family was Norwegian before that on my mother's side. My father's Polish, as you guys know. So so I guess maybe my family loved AHA. You know, I love it. Here we go. we got to do some ABBA, too, because that kind of comes from that part of the world, too. You know, we can do a little bit of that, too. Maybe we can bump out of that because it's a Friday night. And, boys, it's been a crazy week with so much going on. Uh, this has just been an unbelievable week. Next week, of course, everybody, is the Iowa caucus, and that is going to be on Monday night. Um, also, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, an important day, a federal holiday. Uh, so we're going to be certainly talking about all of that. And it's going to be fascinating to see who wins in Iowa. Right now, of course, President Trump is dominating the race. Nikki Haley closing in uh, and a number two, but still a big distance. But sometimes there are surprises. You never know. Let's see where it goes. Uh, I will be stunned if President Trump doesn't win Um, But the question is, does he win by a huge margin? Is there some wild card? Somebody could end up dropping out if they do really poorly. Uh, It is now uh, a four-person race there on the GOP side. Really a two- or three-person race. Vivek is in there. He's been all over the place in Iowa. And, in fact, uh, terrible, cold, freezing weather. We're having some storms, of course, up in New York City. But also, in addition to that... In Iowa, they're predicting minus degree temperatures, uh, minus 15 even potentially, one of the biggest storms there. Uh, It is going to be blustery. It's going to be freezing. And that could also have an impact, you know, voter enthusiasm, turnout. um, But there's a lot of issues there. Uh, And the good people there in Iowa, uh, a lot of the issues are border. They've been talking about border. They've been talking about migrant. They've been talking about inflation, Uh, They have worried very much about what's happening in the Middle East. There's a lot of issues there on their plate. So that will certainly be a uh, preview of what is to come. And Iowa gets the first one. That's the first caucus. The first primary, of course, is about a week later in New Hampshire. And we're going to be covering it all. Uh, You know me. I'm like a kid in a candy store when it comes to those political things. And there's a lot of serious problems, as we have been talking about, with so many issues in our country. Uh, so it's going to be uh, a wild year, and that will be the kickoff of it all. Uh, real quick, uh, let's go to Sandra on line three. Sandra, your thoughts.
5: Okay, I know I was going to talk about the Hooties, but I'll talk about Hunter Biden instead. So he had a drug problem, and he's not he doesn't have it anymore, but he had, he's not dealing with the humility part. You know, there's a 12-step program that maybe he's not following. He goes into this um, meeting with the— uh, committee meeting the oversight committee hearing you
1: know you're right he didn't even do the first step and that's the first step with aa and here's a little ab on the way out